If you could grab a copy of God's Word and meet me in the uh, the book of Second Kings, chapter twenty. Book of Second Kings, chapter twenty. As you turn there, if you're visiting with us, we're um, nearing the end of a series called Enrolling in the School of Prayer. Uh, for the past few weeks, we've, in our time together, discussed ways on how to pray. Uh, we looked at intercessory prayer. Uh, we've also looked at when to pray. Uh, past few weeks, we talked about a prayer in the valley and a prayer in a storm. And then this week, um, just from looking at the text and meditating on where we're going, I, I just simply want to encourage you on something very foundational and fundamental to prayer. And it's, it's simply this. Why pray? That, that's our aim this morning. I, I just simply want to talk about why pray. We know how to pray. We know when to pray. But why pray? Second Kings 20, you there? ESV reads as this. In those days, Hezekiah became sick and was at the point of death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Set your house in order, for you shall die. You shall not recover. Then Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord, saying, Now, O Lord, please remember... How I have walked before you in faithfulness and with the whole heart, and have done what is good in your sight. Then Hezekiah wept bitterly, and before Isaiah had gone out of the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him, turn back and say to Hezekiah, the leader of my people, thus says the Lord. The God of David, your father, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Behold, I will heal you. On the third day, you shall go up to the house of the Lord, and I will add 15 years to your life. I will deliver you and this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria. And I will defend this city for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. Let's stop there. That's ends the reading of God's holy, blessed, and inspired word. Amen? amen. Uh, with your prayers and amens, I, I simply want to talk with you from the subject, it happens after prayer. It happens after prayer. Uh, Louise Redden was once faced with an impossible situation. She was poor. She was... Poorly dressed, and on her face was an expression blanketed with despair. She entered her neighborhood grocery store, and she approached the owner of this store in the most humble manners and asked if he would let her charge some groceries to her account. She proceeded to softly explain that her husband was very ill and unable to work, and they had several children, and they desperately needed some food. John Longhouse, the grocer, scoffed at her and proceeded to tell her to immediately depart from his store. But visualizing the family's needs, she 
said, please, sir, I, I promise I will pay you back as soon as we are able. His answer was still no. Uh, standing beside the counter was a customer who overheard this conversation between the two and the customer walked forward and told the grocer that he would stand good for whatever she needed for her family. The grocer in a very reluctant voice said, do you have a grocery list? Luis replied, yes sir. To which he said, okay, how about this? Put your grocery list on the scale and whatever it weighs, I'll give you that in groceries. She hesitated for a moment with a bowed head and she reached into her purse and grabbed an ink pen and took out a piece of paper and began scribbling out some things on a list of what she and her family needed. She was in an impossible situation. Uh, it was bleak, it was a point of despair, it was it seemed hopeless. And yet, in spite of all this, she, in her position, went to God in prayer. Prayed silently. She then laid the piece of paper on the scale with her head still bowed. And moments after, the eyes of the grocer and the customer were astonished and amazed as the scales went down and stayed down. The grocer, staring at the scales, turned to the customer and he said, begrudgingly, I, I can't believe it. The customer smiled at the grocer and the grocer started putting uh, groceries on the other side of the scales, but the scales did not balance, so he continued to put more and more groceries on the scale. He then finally grabbed a piece of paper and he's looking at the paper, he's examining the paper. But what he failed to realize was that it was not the piece of paper, but the power of prayer. Amen. Finally, the grocer gave her the groceries and he stood in silence. She thanked him and left the store. The customer handed a $50 bill to the grocer and said it was worth every penny. It was Alfred Lord Tennyson who once said, more things are wrought by prayer than this world can ever imagine. Indeed. And I believe that point is underscored here in our text. If there was ever a case that was hopeless, that was desperate, that, that, that seemed like prayer would be impossible, it was Hezekiah. The question often arises, if God is God, if God is sovereign, if God knows all, why pray in the first place? And beloved, if we're going to be honest this morning, that's just not a, a question that arises from non-believers. That's, that's a question that arises in, in the church. There's a multitude of reasons of why we ought to pray and why we should pray. I'm not going to give them all to you. Let me just give you three and we'll move on. Amen. First, we ought to pray because the Word of God commands it. That ought to be the end of the message. The Word of God commands it. And the beauty of every time you see God call His people to pray, there's 
typically a promise attached to it. There's a duty to pray. That's number one. But secondly, we should pray because prayer is God's way for His children to obtain what we need from Him. It's really the only way that we get to reach into heaven and grab what's in heaven and bring what's in heaven down back to earth. We ought to pray because it's commanded. We ought to pray because it's the only way that we receive what God has in store for us. But thirdly, you're going to have to hold on to your seats and your coats on this one. And this is the point of our message this morning. We ought to pray simply because church prayer works. Prayer works. Davon, you got to help me out. Nobody else is going to help me this morning. When God wants to do something great in your life, He starts with something difficult. When God wants to do something miraculous in your life, He'll start with something impossible. When you face impossible situations, church, and you will face them, you need to know that you have a God who is willing and able to do what seems impossible because God is able to do all things. The Bible says that He can do the impossible. He can quickly turn the impossible back to possible. He can turn a situation around once He gets involved and the only way we get God involved is to go to God in prayer. Prayerlessness is a declaration of independence from God. Prayerfulness is a declaration of complete dependence upon God. What we don't pray about, we believe that we can handle. What we do pray about, we believe and know that God in His power, in His might can handle. Prayer works. Prayer Works In our time together this morning, beloved, I'm not going to be before you long. I told you I just need you to help me out. I want to encourage all of us this morning to pray. And to do so, I want to gather our thoughts under three headings. First, we'll consider Hezekiah's motive for prayer. Second, we'll consider his method of prayer. Last but not least, we'll consider the miracle after prayer. Y'all with me? First of all, let's consider his motive for prayer. The Bible says in verse 1, In those days Hezekiah became sick and was at the point of death. The Bible places this account around the time where there was a looming external threat, uh, an invasion from the Assyrian army. And this, this beloved, was serious business. Uh, The kingdom, that particular kingdom, possessed the most powerful military force on earth. They had quickly conquered kingdom after kingdom after kingdom and now they were right at the doorstep of the city of Jerusalem. And yet, while this godly king Hezekiah, he's troubled, he's burdened, he's concerned about the safety of his kingdom by an external enemy, the Bible tells us that there's another battle that arises not externally but internally. In verse 2, we're told that the prophet Isaiah came to the palace and you can just see it um, in, in the palace, visualize it. He's, Hezekiah is there. He's sick and he has 
all of the best physicians in the nation at his bedside. They have the long white coats and uh, they have x-ray machines and MRI machines and they have, they have it all laid out and you hear the machines and, and it's a very sterile environment and, and the king is there. He sees Isaiah come. He's hopeful. He's beaming with hope and, and Isaiah has to speak these words. Set your house in order. You shall die. You shall not recover. And perhaps the physicians knew that this was going to be the case, but they did not have the heart to tell the king. The Lord sent this prophet who had to tell this king that his sickbed would ultimately turn into his deathbed. He had hope for a better fate. Uh, he had begun great religious reforms. He had uplifted God's people, and now yet he found himself in the valley of the shadow of death. Brothers and sisters, this ought to be a solemn declaration that rests upon each and every one of us here this morning. We don't know the date or the hour. Uh, he's given a heads up notice. You and I don't have that. Also note the solemn duty of Hezekiah here in the text. I'll say this and I'll have to move on. Set thine house in order. The Lord expects obedience in our life. The Lord also expects obedience until the end of our life. Suffice it to say, beloved, that, that this question is one that we ought to consider this very morning ourselves. Is your house in order? Is your heart right with God and with your neighbor? Are all your earthly affairs in place? Are there some things that you left undone that you ought to have done? Is there anybody who must go out this very morning, beloved, and, and, and obey this commandment? Sadly, here in our world, we live in such a frantic and hectic way of living, don't we? We have a thousand upon thousand troubles and cares which ensnare us each and every day. And many of us, if we're going to be honest today, church, we're just simply too busy to consider about the business that we ought to take care of. I came across this poem. Let me share it with you. It says this, too busy to read the Bible, too busy to wait and pray, too busy to speak out kindly to someone who passes by the way, too busy worrying and working to think of the life to come, too busy building earthly mansions to plan for the heaven above, too busy to help a brother who faces trials and suffering woes, too busy to share his burden, no time, I'm busy, you know, too busy for all that is holy on earth beneath the sky, too busy to serve the master, but not too busy to die. And brothers and sisters, I'm, I'm not a prophet. I'm just a pastor. Uh, but I know that there's somebody in here today. You've been putting off and off and off. Uh, but doesn't the Lord Jesus say, be ye ready for, for his return? Uh, doesn't he, he call us to the solemn obligation and duty not to leave people stranded? They're already hurting, but not to compound it as much as we're able to do it. We ought to be found by the Lord, ready to depart, given all that we had. 
But sometimes our hands are so full of this world that we cannot lay hold of what the Lord has for us in the first place. One pastor put it this way. Uh, we ought to live in such a way that as if Jesus Christ died yesterday, rose this morning, and is coming back this afternoon. We don't know that day or the hour that our soul will be required. Beloved brothers and sisters, this is a serious note. You need to go out and make your business right. Get your will in place. Make sure your insurance is in order. Don't put it off no more. Obey that text. Notice what happens next. The Bible says, Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. And again, if there's ever a case where... Prayer just makes no sense. The Lord said he would die, but the Bible says he prayed. When all human resources have failed, when the physicians had to give up the case, Hezekiah says, no, no, I know a greater physician who can take up the case again. He happens to be my father. He, he, he has restless Limbs. He, he stretched out motionless on his bed. The Bible says, church, that he is so weak here in the text, he could not go to the temple. He could not appear before the mercy seat. He could scarcely lift up his head. And yet, he managed to turn his body to the wall and lift up his voice in prayer and say, Father, I stretch my hands to thee. No other help I know. Lord, if... You withdraw yourself from me. Whither shall I go? I love Hezekiah because of this. He, he sought God at once. Not a moment after he heard of his, his impending death that was to come, he went to God first. Not after. And see, church, sometimes we, 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 we try to play every hand that we have to play. We try to call up everybody for help that we can call. He called upon God first. He who had no power in an instant went to the one who had all power. Call upon God. He also doesn't say, church, well, God is sovereign, so what's the use of praying? This is what it is. God said it to be so. In fact, the reason why he prayed is because God is sovereign. God knows everything known to be known that ought to be known. That's the basis for him going to God in prayer. Not to stay away from prayer. In other words, I believe that Hezekiah knew this well. Sometimes God's hard words are not his final words. Let me explain. The Lord said that he was going to overthrow Nineveh. The people got the message after the prophet finally preached a bad sermon. In about eight words. They repented. The Lord turned from his anger. The Lord told Moses at Mount Sinai when the children of Israel had made the golden calf. He said, okay, I'm going to destroy these people. I'm just going to start anew. Moses prayed. God relented. You see a pattern. God said, I'm going to throw over this city. The people of Nineveh prayed. 
the Lord said, I'm going to overthrow my own people. Moses prayed. When people pray, God does something else that he said he would do. Does that make sense? <laughs> Not that God changed his mind, but the declaration of death or judgment changed people's minds to get them back into alignment where God already wanted them to be in the first place. All right, y'all y'all here now, okay? Um, Philippians 4, 6 says this, Do not be anxious about anything but in everything. And that's good to obey that text. What if, what if Hezekiah did not obey that? What if he said, just some things I'm going to take to God in prayer? No, no, we ought to take it all to him in prayer. By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your request known to God. One pastor I've been reading, he says this, the self-sufficient don't pray, the self-satisfied will not pray, and the self-righteous cannot pray. The believer, beloved, knows that they ought to pray, and they must pray. So we see his motive for prayer was death, but notice, secondly, church, his method of prayer. Verse 3, now, O Lord, please remember how I have walked before you in faithfulness and with a whole heart and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Three observations I want to simply offer up from this section. I'll walk you through them as quickly as I can. First of all, let us note together, church, it's a short prayer. Try to illustrate this. There was an annual conference um, for an evangelical mission board, and uh, the women were off fellowshipping and enjoying their afternoon tea, and uh, the men and the children gathered to enjoy a good old-fashioned hot dog eating contest. And as you all know, at these informal gatherings of church people, and there's typically the protocol which demands that we, we say the blessing before the guests go to their tables and fill their plates. But on this occasion, the leader had the people get their food first, and then he asked the guest speaker to pray over the food. The good man prayed his way up and down the Himalayas, around the equator, touched the North Pole, and finally came back to where they were and said, Amen. quiet after. Everybody heard a young boy who said loudly to his father, Daddy, he prayed my hot dog cold. <laughs> if you're a person in prayer, beloved, always in prayer, constant in prayer, it don't take long prayers. The Bible says Hezekiah was a person of prayer. He was often praying. He believed in the power and the privilege of prayer. He was praying without ceasing. He was praying all times in the spirit. And when you are a person of prayer, you ain't got to say long prayers. It don't take all that. You ain't got to pray nobody's hot dog cold. But second, it was a sincere prayer. We're told that it was a, a heartfelt prayer, so much so that the Bible records that he wept uncontrollably. Hezekiah does not pray, Lord, spare me. But, but notice the text, it just simply says, Lord, remember me. 
old saints, uh, saints of old that is, have prayed similar prayers. Nehemiah prayed this prayer. David had prayed a similar prayer. And, and beloved, the, the thief on the cross had prayed a similar prayer. He, he was a dying sinner on a cross next to a dying Savior. All he said was, Lord, remember me. You and I don't get to pray because we're worthy, because we're all that. We may not have the reputation as Hezekiah, but we don't get to pray because we're worthy. We get to pray, church, because Jesus Christ is worthy. We get to pray, and the Lord hears our prayers, not on the basis of what we've done, but on the basis of what Jesus has done. Our prayers are heard. You can guarantee it in Christ. We don't always have to have the right words, but we ought to worry more about having the right heart. It's a sincere prayer. Thirdly, beloved, before we move on, it's a deeply theological and scriptural prayer. Uh, he's, he's appealing to God based on God's own promises that God made to David and Solomon that a perpetual kingdom, a kingdom that would last forever, would be unbroken. 2 Samuel 7.16 says this, Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. What Hezekiah is, is in essence doing, he's saying, Lord, your word says one thing. This word that came to me says another thing. Can you help me out here? Is the kingdom going to last forever unbroken? Or do I die and it is broken? Which one is it going to be? And see, he, he's somebody who, who he read his Bible. And, and sometimes, church, there are theological challenges that, that occur and happen in our life. Similar to, to Abraham, he had to sacrifice his son. He said, Lord, you said I was going to have a son. Now I have to sacrifice his son? How's this going to work? He goes to God with what God had already said. That's the best basis that the children of God can have. Let me explain. My, my daughter, she's four now, uh, Reagan. And when, she's, when she wants something, her memory is just unmatched. She's four. She could recall things when she was one. And said, Dad, you promised. I'm like, man, you couldn't even talk yet. And so now I, don't, I really don't say anything. I just say, go ask your mom. Because, you see, she might get, get me caught up. And similarly, brothers and sisters, one of the most effectual, helpful prayers that one child of God could ever offer to the Lord is say, Father, you've said. You've said in your word that this would happen, and, and, but something else is happening. You would get an answer immediately and speedily, beloved. And that, that's what we see here. We're almost done. I told you I wouldn't be long. Let us consider thirdly. The miracle after prayer. Verse 4, And before Isaiah had gone out of the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him. Two words. Turn back. <laughs> no sooner than the king prayed, the Lord gave his prophet a new message. He says, No, go back. Retrace thy steps. Say to Hezekiah, the leader of my people, 
Thus says the Lord, the God of David, your father, I have heard your prayer, I have seen your tears, and behold, I will heal you. What was about to be lost was all recovered in a moment by prayer. What was about to be lost was recovered by prayer. It happened after prayer. And Jeremiah 33 3 says this. Call to me and I will answer and show you great and unsearchable things you do not know. James says you have not because you. This. It shows the readiness of God to hear his child who comes to him in prayer. I like what one. Pastor once said, Robert Murray McShane, he says it this way, if the veil of all of the world's machinery were lifted off, how much would we find is done in answer to the prayers of God's children alone? In other words, if we could just take a step back and see the universe operating and, and working, how much of all of the good happening in this world were answered to prayer? Three encouragements of prayer, and I'm going to take my seat and we'll get ready to depart. Three encouragements of prayer, or three blessings, which stand out. There are many, I'll just give you three. First, um, beloved, is, is you consider your life, and as you consider what's going on in your world, and uh, you consider all of what um, you may be faced with, First of all, when you pray, you ought to know that the Lord hears our prayers. The Lord hears our prayers. That's what he says. He says, I have heard your prayer. Even if he's slow in answering your prayer, he has heard your prayer. He don't operate on your time. God is before time. He is all through time. He is all pre-existent and, and all-knowing, beloved. He is God. He don't have to operate on your time. But He hears your prayers. Uh, secondly, beloved, let me encourage you in this. The Lord also sees your prayers. Uh, notice the text. It says, I have seen your tears. Those tears that nobody else had ever seen. Those tears that you cry just on your pillow at night that, that one day. Nobody knew that you had prayed. Nobody knew that it broke your heart. But the Lord your God knew and he recognizes and he saw and sees. Says the text and the Bible says he treasures all of our tears in a bottle. He's... Hears our prayers, he sees our prayers. That ought to excite us to pray. But last, and certainly not least, the Lord, beloved, exceeds our prayers. Amen. Think about this. What if God just simply gave us what we asked for? I'm thankful he doesn't. God exceeds our prayers. He says, Tell him that he's going to recover. He just prayed, God, remember. He says, no, you'll, you'll recover. 
you'll actually get 15 more years to your life. Then he goes on to promise that he will save the kingdom from the Assyrians. He says, I'll defend this city. You just, you relax. I'll take care of all this. He promises protection. He promises to save them. He promises to be there all in all. And the brother just prayed that the Lord remember. Prayer works. Even if it don't seem like it. And let me say this. Um, many of us are here today and we have prayed similar prayers. We had prayed for a loved one who was sick. We had prayed at the bedside of one at the hospital. We have prayed in hospice. We have, we have prayed. But it didn't turn out the way that we had hoped. Um, prayer works. Even if it does not seem like it works. Even if it doesn't feel like it works. Even if you don't understand how it's working, prayer works. Little girl who lost her baby brother. The baby brother had just passed and she asked her mother where the baby had gone. And the mother responded uh, to be with Jesus. A few days later, the mother's talking to a friend on the phone and the mother's grieving. She's, she's crying and she's heartbroken and she's sad and she says, I, I'm so sad that I, I lost my son. The little girl heard and remembered her mother's words and she would later ask her mother, she looked at her mother, she said, Mom, is a thing lost when you know where it is? The mother responded, of course not. Sweetheart, it's not loss. The little girl with all the wisdom. So uh, how can my baby brother be lost if he has gone to be with Jesus? Church, one day you will see. Today you'll have to take my word for it. But you'll see. One day you will see that all of your prayers have been heard. Even when the loved one did not make it the way we thought it would. Even if the life was not sustained here on this side, it does not mean that God could not deliver them on that side. Jesus says himself, this is the will of him who sent me. I shall not lose one. They live. They have life. Forever. But you'll see. One day you will see. And you will be glad. The Bible says that those who fall asleep wake up in the arms of Jesus Christ to everlasting life. Remember this, I'm done. The love of God 
wants what's best for us. The wisdom of God knows what's best for us. And the power of God can accomplish it and apply it to us. Beloved, it happens after prayer. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you that you have all power in heaven and on earth. We thank you that you can turn situations around. Lord, we thank you that you can not only hear us, that you can see us, that you can protect us, and that you can provide all things well for us. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would move us to prayer. Lord, I pray that we would confess times where we just simply don't want to pray. And know that we ought to pray. Lord, may we cry out like the disciples. Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, I pray that you would uh, use this word and um, make it effectual and edify your people. Heavenly Father, may we be a praying church and a praying people who just simply lean and depend on you. Lord, we thank you for all things. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.